Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who've embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world. You know, whether or not you've considered moving abroad or taking on an international role, globalization will impact your career. So join us for a lively discussion as we explore what an international career really means. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. In season two, we find ourselves in a fast-changing world, still affected by the pandemic, where we must adapt to succeed. Come with us as we share with you how to craft your place in the new global workspace. Today's guest has more than a decade of combined experience in international affairs and diplomacy. MJ Crawford's career has taken her from her hometown of Flint, Michigan, to the front lines of major global events. She's currently a political officer serving at the U.S. mission Pakistan. MJ has also served in diplomatic assignments in Moldova and Russia and completed temporary duty assignments in Afghanistan and eastern Ukraine. Outside of diplomacy, MJ is an investor focused on generational wealth creation and a world traveler who aspires to visit every U.N.-recognized country in the world. She speaks Turkish, Russian, and Urdu. MJ was also a contributor to my book on study abroad published by IE several years ago. Welcome, MJ. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, one of the objectives of this podcast is to provide a sense of the careers that are out there. Tell us about your current role as a Foreign Service officer and the path you took to get there. Well, thank you, Stacey. Um, as you mentioned, I'm currently a political officer serving at our U.S. Embassy in Pakistan. Um, I'll be speaking in my personal capacity. Uh, while I'm here, I'm covering internal politics. And so my job is amazing. I go out and I talk with different contacts from political parties, government officials, uh, civil society organizations, activists, religious leaders. Um, I speak with all of these individuals to try to get a sense of the different political events in Pakistan. Uh, and I also am responsible for tracking any legislation that gets passed. Uh, how did I get here to the Foreign Service? Uh, well, it's a program I definitely recommend uh, your listeners uh, look up themselves, but it's called the Charles B. Rangel Fellowship. Uh, it's a competitive program designed to create a pipeline of diverse diplomats um, to ensure that our Foreign Service is representative of America. And um, through that program, that's how I entered the Foreign Service. I've always enjoyed writing, uh, and I love meeting different people from different countries and different backgrounds. And so that's why I chose the political track uh, that I'm working in now. Oh, that's great. And so um, you were also a born scholar years ago, right? And you studied in Turkey for a year. You speak Russian, Urdu, in addition to your native English. Um, tell us about why you chose Turkey, Turkish, and, and a little bit about languages and why they're important to careers. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the Boren program really is a wonderful uh, scholarship and fellowship program uh, that offers the opportunity for uh, students interested in learning critical languages to study uh, them overseas. Uh, and I came across the program when I was an undergrad in college. And at that time, I decided to learn Turkish. I wanted to study a language that was not quite a romance language, um, something different, something challenging. Uh, and I definitely got that with Turkish. 
Um, and I, in general, the Boren program is so incredible. And I think that uh, it's wonderful that our government and universities um, provide this funding to support students who want to take the leap and learn a critical language um, and study abroad. Um, I can say that for me, learning a language has been a way for me to broaden my mind, um, better understand different cultures. Honestly, when you learn another language, you're truly learning a different way of thinking almost. And uh, there's so many nuances um, in different languages that I find so fascinating. So with Turkish and Russian and Urdu, um, again, I learned Turkish in undergrad, but being in the Foreign Service, that's how I learned uh, Russian and Urdu for my assignments. Uh, I think that these languages are just super rich with culture and have very interesting, uh, ha have a lot of literature and history behind them. So I would definitely recommend any of these languages to anyone. Uh, in fact, having such a kind of broad and wide spectrum of different languages that I've learned over the years, uh, helped me for an assignment that I did, um, a temporary assignment I did in Afghanistan. Uh, there was a shortage of people there um, able to help translate for the work that I was doing. And so I was able to learn uh, some phrases in Dari from my knowledge of Urdu and Turkish. Uh, there's some similar words across the three languages, but basically I thought it, you know, it helped me do my job more efficiently and honestly, if I could have a superpower, it would be the ability to just speak any language on demand um, because I've learned that communicating across cultures, you know, without a language barrier is just so important, uh, especially when you're trying to understand people's motivations and intentions. So, yeah, I think a lot of the cultural context can be lost due to the language barrier, but at least having some knowledge of the language. Uh, how sentences are constructed, how requests are made in that language, for example, can be extremely helpful. I can see that, especially in 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 a diplomatic career and um, also in business as well. It's business, nonprofits, education, and just people-to-people -people conversation, right? I mean, it really makes a difference understanding where somebody's coming from. That's great. For students interested in a career in diplomacy, what are the greatest opportunities and or challenges that you see today? Oh, that's a tough question. Well, I think that societies around the world, from what I've observed, uh, including our own in the United States, uh, societies are always changing and societies are always evolving. They're changing in terms of policies, systems of governance, pandemics, of course, supply chains, advances in technology, social movements. And I think that Anyone entering the workforce today should be ready for these challenges. Uh, yes, they're challenges, but they can also be opportunities. And I think that many changes happening right now in global affairs can't always be foreseen. And so you really have to learn how to constantly react and respond. And every reaction and every response is going to be different depending on the situation. I do believe though that change offers a chance for opportunity. And so, it offers a way for us to do things differently than before um, in the hopes that perhaps things will be better than before. I think in the next few years, for example, uh, advances in military technology will be a very interesting topic, uh, as well as climate change, which I know is on many people's minds. Uh, I think climate change will really be a driving factor 
of migration flows and several other events that uh, will be impacting our lives in a heavier way um, in a few years than maybe what we're seeing now. What specific tips do you have for students? How, how can they prepare for these? Those are huge, monumental shifts and changes that students listening uh, on an American campus right now may not be prepared to adapt to. Yes, yeah, so that's a great that's a great question. I think that um, anyone looking to enter either business or diplomacy uh, tomorrow should try to seek a solid understanding of um, climate change specifically, kind of what our policies have been. More importantly, prepare themselves for how to work with other countries and other companies and governments to address this issue. Um, I'm not trying to say that anyone has to devote their entire area of study or career to climate change, but everyone should definitely have an understanding of how climate change uh, could impact their career field, uh, whether that's in diplomacy or whether you're working in the wine and agriculture industries, for example. I think that uh, anyone in the workforce has already understood that with the pandemic that's going on, nothing is ever guaranteed or certain, but there are skills that we can acquire and issues we can learn more about now to be as prepared as possible for whatever our future might bring. Mm, well said, well said. What do you like most about your job, MJ? Ah, that's another great question. Um, <laughs> well, I really love the fact that I'm able to meet people, again, understand intentions, motivations, learn about you know, the political system in a country and build, again, people-to-people ties. Uh, learning and having language skills is important, uh, but I think that, yeah, the ability to live overseas is just a huge blessing and um, travel is something that I, I really enjoy with this job as well. And just the chance to be able to provide a solid representation of our country overseas. Um, it, it's just an incredible opportunity. Yeah, sounds like all the all of the wonderful things all wrapped up into one, right? Travel, great communication, enhancing your language skills because you're using them all the time, being immersed. That's fantastic. Um, what are some of the critical skills for, for our listeners? Um, what are some of the critical skills necessary for new hires or people entering the diplomatic corps? Well, you know, Stacy, when I was in university studying international relations and social sciences, there was always this emphasis on obtaining hard skills in economics, statistics, econometrics. And I'll say for myself, I found those classes very interesting, and I'm glad I had an understanding of how uh, those areas um, of study work. However, I've realized that hard skills kind of become a little outdated pretty quickly. Uh, technology, as we all know, is always evolving and always changing. And one program that I might have learned to use in college to analyze data probably won't be used 10 years down the road. So at this point in my career, I've really focused on enhancing the skills that I already have and enjoy, skills that are essentially what I believe to be part of who I am. Um, a lot of people would refer to these as soft skills, but I think that they go a long way in diplomacy or business or when it comes to finding any job, um, working in the nonprofit sector, for example. 
And when I say soft skills, I mean the ability to speak and write well, uh, the ability to connect with others, to network and remember people's names and who people are and what they do. Uh, I believe that um, displaying a solid level of emotional intelligence is super necessary uh, right now in, in business and diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Those are great, great things, great tips. And you're right. Um, and those are the things that aren't necessarily taught in school, um, but are really necessary. Thanks for sharing those. Some of the, um, the, some of the trends that we see kind of emerging um, in the workspace now you mentioned global ch global climate change, um, sustainability, diversity, and inclusion, remote work, um, an increased focus on wellness and mental health. These are just some of the trends we're seeing. Tell me, what are you seeing, and maybe one that you're experiencing or you've observed um, uh, for our listeners to gain some insight? Definitely. I think that, uh, well, speaking as a millennial, uh, I think that remote work and hybrid schedules that have kind of resulted as being part of a new norm from the pandemic are a huge game changer. Uh, I'm not sure that this is something that millennials and Gen Z will be willing to compromise on in the future. And you can already see many different companies are allowing for more flexible schedules for their employees in order to stay competitive. Uh, I also think that um, wellness and mental health are hugely important. Uh, one thing I love about my job is that, yes, when I'm in a country, I work super hard and there can definitely be long hours involved, uh, but the Foreign Service has been wonderful for allowing employees to have pretty generous vacation time throughout the year. Uh, I have two younger brothers, one working at a private law firm and the other working at a private equity firm, and they work absolutely intense hours, uh, and I just hope that in the future, it'll become more socially acceptable for employees in the U.S. to take true vacation time. I mean, more than just two weeks a year. In some parts of Europe, they get six weeks out of a year on vacation. And for diversity and inclusion, it's a largely important topic. I think that a lot of the changes that we're seeing, um, not only in the private sector, but even within the State Department, are very positive. They're on a positive trend. And I think that um, within the international uh, affairs career field, there's a huge opportunity to involve people of different backgrounds, people from immigrant backgrounds or uh, different minorities within the United States to represent our country, uh, especially when we're overseas, because other countries do really take notice of that. And uh, they comment on it and they respect it. And it's ultimately just part of our American advantage. Oh, great. That's wonderful. So, so MJ, you've, you've pursued an international lifestyle from the get-go, right? But not everyone believes as passionately um, as you do or even understands the value of a global mindset. Um, and many students may be saying, oh, you know, that's not for me. I just want to, you know, hunker down here in the U.S. and maybe take a vacation every now and then abroad. But what would you say to these listeners about why preparing for globalization matters and how to do it? Definitely. Well, as I mentioned before, I think working on the soft skills, even if you're not working overseas, are really important. So many of us still work with colleagues who are from a different country, for example. And I think that taking a respectful interest in where uh, someone's colleagues are from and what their experiences have been is always very crucial and critical. And uh, again, I would just say take advantage of whatever vacation days you have and travel. Um, travel is really the only thing that makes us richer. And um, the experiences we have 
overseas, whether they're through work or education, really can help when we get back home, uh, especially not just within working our, within our companies, but uh, when it comes to you know, educating our families on the people we've met, the conversations we've had overseas, and the perspectives that we gain. Mm, that's great advice. So true. And and travel does open up open up the mind and the heart, and um, being able to apply it makes a huge difference. So that's great advice. What advice do you wish you had been given at the beginning of your career? Oh, there's there's a lot of advice. <laughs> Uh, well, namely, I would say to your listeners um, to follow, they should follow their intuition and they should trust their instincts. And even if it feels illogical, I think that there must be some reason that a certain career path or program or area of study is calling to someone. Um, I personally wish I would have learned this lesson earlier. A lot of times I remember looking for answers to what I wanted to do in the future or who I wanted to become. I would be looking for these answers externally. I would ask other people. I would, um, yeah, look for these answers um, out there in the world. And as much as advice from other people does help, ultimately I found that looking inwards and asking myself and analyzing my own uh, strengths and passions, I found that more um, helpful to really deciding which path I wanted to take. And ultimately I found out that by following my gut, my intuition (laughs) and doing what I love um, has actually ended up being the quickest way for me to get to where I want to be. Well, that's fascinating. It takes a lot of courage, though, because sometimes people are like, no, why are you doing that? You know, right? Why do you want to do that for? Do this instead. And so it takes a lot of courage also, I think, um, especially if other people, um, whether they're friends, family, colleagues, professors, um, are saying, oh, you'd be great at this, right? So that's good to, good yes. to hear. Yeah. Yes. So really following your gut. Awesome. Well, this has been really wonderful having a conversation with you, MJ, and you were so inspiring. I mean, I, I, um, um, I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing because I know you are at the beginning of your career. Um, but before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add to make sure that our listeners hear? Yeah, I just want to say to your listeners that um, they're already on the right path and that I hope this conversation was really helpful. And I always am the biggest proponent of having a career that allows you to travel and I really do enjoy the foreign service it's been such an incredible opportunity and experience and that if they are interested in taking the foreign service exam or becoming a diplomat or whatever career path um, your listeners want for themselves you know, never take no for an answer. Perseverance only means that you're just one step closer to becoming the person you want to be and and being where you want to be. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, MJ. It's been a real joy catching up with you and having you share your story uh, with me and our listeners. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stacey. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.